HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program, today's program is brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons, third-generation cure masters producing the country's best dry-cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. I'm Greg Bresnitz. And I'm Darren Bresnitz. We're the host of Snacky Tunes. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to On the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, January 20th. This is the 92nd episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is a top casting director and talent booker, and I will introduce her in a moment. First, as we do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip. Later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to know what you're looking for. What are your expectations? What qualities do you look for in people, including potential employers, employees, and clients? Do you have any deal breakers? Figuring out what you want and need from relationships is the key to finding it. So think about it, and then go after it. That's my tip today. Now, I'm thrilled to have my guest here. It is Beth Schiff. She is casting director, talent, and story producer for her company, You Choose Creative. With over 15 years in the casting and talent industry, Beth recruits, interviews, auditions, negotiates, and books talent for commercial, TV, film, print, and digital. Among her many projects, she has built and led the casting team on the Food Network's hit competition show, Chopped. Welcome, Beth. Thank you. Good to be here. It's good to have you here. So, um, your career really does fascinate me. I, I feel I feel you're you're totally behind the scenes, and I'm excited to hear how you, how you started. And, and, and got to where you are today. So can we start out with your background a little? Like, what got you into casting? Sure. So I get asked 
I get asked that question a lot. Everyone wants to know how do you how do you get into casting? And actually, when I got into it, I didn't even know it was a thing that casting could be a career. Um, I was always interested in production, <clears throat> always interested in television and film, and how do things get made and how do things actually appear on screen. And um, so when I graduated, I actually studied production, TV, like whatever I could, advertising in school. And I just started doing production assistant work. And that's the kind of work where you're like, I'll do anything. I'll make coffee. I'll go on runs. I'll look at locations, whatever. And there was a need on on one of the productions in the casting department. And I was like, oh, I I like people. I, you know, want to learn this business. And so I kind of fell into it. They needed help. I... Um, volunteered or not volunteered, but it was sort of a, an entry level job, and I learned the business of casting. But that was on a movie, so you learn how to um, book and negotiate talent. Um, and it was, I believe, SAG talent at the time, and so you just kind of learn. Oh, okay, you have um, a role to fill, and who? How do you find um, people for that role, and how do you present to the director or the producer, and um, go from there. And this was before New York City? Where were you doing this? Yeah, actually, um, I was born in Baltimore, or as like we, we like to say, Baltimore. <laughs> and, um, and I had moved back there um, after college because, you know, I have no money and no job. So I started doing production assistant work. And it was actually the Baltimore, Washington area. There's a lot of production there, a lot of movies. The backdrop is is Baltimore, D.C., um, back yeah. in the day. Homicide film there. So there's, there's actually quite a lot of production there. And so I started there, um, got, you know, learned the business of casting, and then always wanted to live in New York. So you moved here, and then what was your first job here in casting? So when I moved here, I worked for a small commercial casting agency. Um, the thing about Baltimore and Washington was that, although there was a lot of, you know, I shouldn't a lot, not relatively speaking New York, but a lot for that area of work or production, you kind of did everything. So like this, I'm dating myself now, but I actually worked on things on projects back in the day of like when discovery first launched (gasps) and they, they, uh, (laughs) I think um, we're about the same age. We were (laughs) booking voiceover talent for discovery. And like, that was like the new thing. Um, And, but so back in Baltimore, Washington, I was doing, local commercials or commercials that would come through print anything that was coming through we would we would work on even like live events so they would say someone would say i need a host for a live event and we would book um a male or female host for the event and then i moved here and i learned the business um is a little is is separated or segregated or in, in a way n- not negatively but like there are co- casting directors do commercials there are casting directors do film there are casting directors do theater First of all, I like all of it, but, you know, I, I sort of, that's where I landed my first job. I did commercials, um, national, international commercials, you know, big brands, big, big ad agencies. So I started doing um, casting actors and models for commercials, for print and for TV. So I'm sitting here thinking back then the world was very different with, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have the tools we have now. So how did you go about casting for you then compared to, and then I want to know how you cast now. That as that's a good question actually. And yeah, it was, it was completely different. I mean, we're really dating ourselves because there was no internet. So yeah. you couldn't put it up on Facebook or Twitter that what you were looking for. However, there've always been talent agencies and, most of the work that I was doing commercially, film, whatever, um, 
was we need they needed actors or models. And so a lot of those people had agents or managers and so you had their numbers and you called them up and you told them what you were looking for and then they, you know, would send you submissions. Like physically you would get in the mail right. or by messenger, you would literally get pictures with headshots and resumes. And then the fax machine and then you would so you would get faxes and then email and um so yeah, everything sped up and got easier or maybe it got also like inundated with almost too much. Yeah, in a way. But also um, we would do open calls also for, for maybe non-union projects or large projects. You would do open calls and then you would really try to get the word out and you would enlist um, radio, television, print, anyone that you could enlist um, or buy, potentially buy into to put out the call and say, hey, we're having an open call this day, this date. You have to show up, um, bring a photo, a recent photo, and a, and a resume. And and so that was a way to get the word out as well. And then once someone shows up and has their picture and you start the casting process, like how does it typically go? I mean, how many times do people come back? I mean, or is that vary from project to project? It varies from project to project. There were there were some projects like huge commercials would have you know two or three callbacks, right? You would narrow the field and narrow the field and narrow the field. Some projects had no callbacks; they could just book right from the tape, right from seeing the initial audition. Um, so I guess it depends on it depends on the project. Yeah, that makes sense. So when did you launch your own company? So I worked for a commercial casting agency for a long time, um, and then sort of went out into the freelance world, decided that I was just going to be a freelance casting director and um, then sort of did the same thing, working on commercials, print, voiceover projects. Um, and I got connected with a production company. So this is going to kind of segue into to Chopped, but I got connected in a production company who was doing shows for TLC and HGTV and were pitching shows to the Food Network. And um, so it was kind of then I was like, all right, I'm – I'm doing this. I'm making it happen. I'm, I'm going to become my own little company, my own small company. And what year was that? I'm just trying to timeline-wise. Um, I mean, I think About. I started like you know the the name of the company and the company probably 2012. But I've been probably freelancing and I've been I've been in the business since like 94, 95. So it's been a long time. Yeah. So so. Getting so then, you were casting for Chopped. How did? Well, let's get into Chopped. So, you were casting for it on with with another company, an introduction, and then you kind of kept doing it now on your own. So I was working for the production company. Okay. Um, I was on staff at the time as a casting director, and so when you're on staff at a production company, you sort of um, work on whatever is coming their way or whatever they're working on or sometimes you're working on multiple projects different from your own company where you can choose the projects that you work on does that make sense yes i know so I'm, I'm on my own so right <laughs> so i was working for the production company at the time and was working on some hgtv and travel channel and whatever was coming their way whatever you know they were pitching and, and networks were buying and at that time they had pitched um chopped to the food network and I love food and I've been in casting and I was, you know, very interested in getting involved in the project. So, um, food network picked it up. We, and I was working for the production company okay. at the time. I, I missed that when you said it before, but yeah. I guess, so your role, did it change then? 
So I've, I've always been the, the supervising casting director on Chopped. But what ended up happening was um, everyone went freelance. Sort of no one wa- was on staff of the production company anymore. So I, in a way, we all sort of created our own little businesses. And we get hired by the production company to produce the show. Got it. How many other people are there involved? I was thinking of that because do you have a team with your on your with your company? But I'm thinking you're on your own. But then there's all these other freelancers, as you said. But you kind of make a team that then, like maybe you work with the same thing people regularly. Right. So um, I'm a sole proprietor, and I um, am hired by the production company to be the supervising casting director, and then. I hire people, um, like when I'm on Chopped, I hire people, uh, however many people it's, that's needed to do the job, um, you know, per season. But if I'm on, you know, if I'm on another show or another project, I might be able to do it on my own or I might need help. So I sort of um, enlist help as needed. Got it. Now, Chop is, I mean, Chop's taken off. It's yeah. its become a huge hit. I don't, I mean, how many seasons, how many episodes? We are currently <laughs> finishing, we're currently wrapping um, season 30. Oh, my God. But a season is 13 episodes. So, you know, a lot of people think, oh, my God, 30. It's not per year or per season. You know, it's 13 episodes. So, but, but 13 times 30. Yeah is a lot <laughs> over 300 <laughs> now you're casting the chefs that are competing were you involved with the judges were you involved with ted allen um i was not involved with ted or the our family of judges but i am involved actively in um booking all of anyone that competes on the show whether they're a professional chef an amateur a celebrity anybody that competes and then anybody that's in um the judge seat as a guest and what's the audition process like? I've had chefs on the show. I've had chefs who reach out to me for PR once they've been on the show and they've won. Um, I do think it, it's helped a lot of people's careers to be to be on it. And I don't think I could be on the show. I think it's very challenging with that mystery basket. <laughs> it is. I'm, I'm impressed and inspired uh, by every single person that puts him or herself up for the show. Um, but the audition process is... Um, First, it starts with the application, and our application is is always live. Um, we may not always be actively casting and looking at applications, but you can always, always, always go to www.choppedcasting.com and um, fill out the application. And then when we go back into a new season and, and start casting, we, we do really look through everything. We look through all, all the applications and evaluate. And... Um, with the application, which is, you know, some fill-in-the-blank information and contact information, um, we really do look at resumes, uh, culinary resumes if you're a professional chef, and, and pictures. We, we want to know who you are and what you look like because it is TV. So that's, that's first, and then um, we then call people in for interviews, and we do on-camera sit-down interviews, sort of like what you and I are doing now. Right. Well, you have to see what they're like on camera. So then do you do the interview and then do you go back and watch the interview on camera? Or are you just kind of filming them to get a feel what they would be like in front of a camera? So we um, we just do the on-camera interview probably 40, 45 minutes. 
And um, then I actually will sit with an editor and cut it down. If I feel like somebody really has the potential to be on the show, we'll sit and cut it down so that we can watch how this person really does on camera. You know, because it's one thing to sit with somebody in a room, but it's another thing to see how they really um, perform or act or react in front of the camera. And um, and then we, we pitch that to the higher-ups, to the executive producers, to the Food Network, and, and um, we go from there. Yeah, and to see what they're like filleting a fish on camera and having to put all that crazy stuff into one dish. It's a very challenging show. I think that's I think the 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 amount of chefs that have been on it and excelled at it and there's so many factors about it that I think why it's been a hit, but it's exciting to watch and it's challenging. I have heard so many chefs tell me it's one of the hardest things or the hardest thing they've ever done. Yeah. And um because it it is what it looks like. It is a mystery basket there. You do not know the ingredients until you open up the basket. And so, you know, there, you don't get a pantry list. You don't, you you do get a walk through the kitchen. So you are familiar with the kitchen and the pantry, but really it's about the ingredients, the basket and the clock. Yeah. But they do always seem to know where to run. So that's, (laughs) yes, that makes sense too. Okay. So we're going to take a little break here and come back to talk more with Beth. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. And the break song here is called Pianissimo Short by Techstar. We will be right back. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Beth Schiff. She is a casting director. We've been talking about Chopped on the Food Network, a very popular show. You're saying that you guys play a game on uh, uh, to see how to what you would do during the break. Yeah, I mean, I'm just really always impressed, like I said, by anybody that really takes it on. And, and we'll do our own. We will do our own sort of behind the scenes. Like, what would you do when the basket opens? You know, what would you do with that? Or how would you do that? Or you know, we're always yeah. trying to predict or figure out what we would do. Um, under that kind of pressure. Yeah. Well, I'll give a shout out to Giuseppe Finelli, a client I'm working with now because he, he won his, his meatball episode and, but it was like watching it. It was so, it was intense. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I don't know. I think the minds of chefs, how they come up with these things so quickly, so creative, and then they, they make it work. It's, it's, it's impressive. I think the, uh, the key, though, is like I don't know that you necessarily have to have a dish in mind the minute you open the basket. I think a lot of chefs will tell me, like, well, I knew what to do with one or two ingredients. I just started doing it, and then the dish came together in my head. So, yeah. Yeah, that somehow, counts as a somehow that works. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you currently working on other, other projects that you can talk about? Um, no, not at the moment. Right now I am <laughs> okay. on Chopped. We are still going. It's exciting. So, so when – when, like where are you at now in in since you're you're casting now or you you just came from a production meeting right so we're wrapping up um our season 30 of chopped um 
season one of Chopped Jr. is premiering or is running now, right? And so that's our spinoff series, I guess, um, in which kids from like 9 to 12 or 13 are competing, which is amazing. Um, and we're about to shoot season two of Chopped Jr. and go into more episodes of regular Chopped. So I'm about to cast. Um, so if anyone's listening and they want to apply, you can definitely go to chopcasting.com because we will be looking and reviewing applications soon very good to know so what do you what do you what's your favorite part of casting what you do and and what are what are your least favorite part or the challenges i think there are yeah i mean there's challenges to every job um and i love what i do and i feel very grateful to to be doing it especially on a hit show and and working with so many great people um Honestly, the best part is being able to offer somebody a spot, whether it's on Chopped or, you know, you're booking them on something and being able to give them that opportunity to cook, to tell their story, to, you know, act in a role. Um, I think that's the coolest thing is to actually provide opportunities for people. Um, And I remember back in, you know, my commercial days and we would audition, you know, certain actors that would come in and now I'm seeing them on the big screen and I'm like, oh my God, I remember when they used to come in for voiceovers or commercials. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of cool. Um, I get, I get to meet a lot of interesting people from all walks of life. Imagine. Um, so that's interesting. Challenging. I mean, I think, you know, it's always um, unfortunate or I hate the parts where somebody doesn't get the job or somebody, you know, somebody who I know really wants it or really needs it. And you have to tell them they didn't get it, um, which is hard. And then, you know, then there's sort of a, a management aspect of it all. It's very challenging. Chopped is a very big show. We have to see a lot of people. We have to book a lot of people. Yeah. And so, therefore, there's there's a big casting team behind it. And so it's it's just um, it's a machine that goes and goes. So it's, it's always challenging to sort of um, manage that many people and, and keep the machine going and finding great people. Yeah, that, that all makes sense, too. What about... Um in the future, let's let me ask you my question from from last week. I had on Chef Paul Liebrandt, and his question is, "Where do you see food TV going over the next five years?" Well, I don't think food TV is going anywhere. I still feel like food TV is very popular and going strong, and will continue to go strong. I think that food TV is continually inspiring people to cook. Um, and or to cook more or to start to cook or to learn to cook. I've heard so many people tell me they learn to cook from chopped or they get inspired by chopped or things like that. And, and I, myself, same thing. Um, food TV. I think there, there might be a little bit more, maybe documentary, a little less competition. Um, you know, I'm not sure I've seen a lot of competition shows come and go. And I feel like, um, also now with like, other outlets like Netflix and Amazon, there's more documentaries and more, um, less competition, I guess. And more still entertaining, but, but less competition maybe. I feel there have been so many culinary competitions that have come up and, and maybe, I mean, that's why chopped, I think is even so impressive because it's, it's had such a long run. Um, and I think I see other shows that seem to, I wouldn't say exactly, copy another show but kind of take elements of certain shows and put them together because of what what may work um and i just wonder is it is it are we going to get to a point where it's too much you know is there 
but you know, I think culinary and food and chefs are so hot. You know, it's there's so much interest in this industry now that I don't know. I'm curious to see where it's going to go. Yeah. No, me too. Me too. I mean, I've worked on other culinary projects. Um, having worked on Chopped and being in this world, I've worked on a lot of other culinary um, projects, some which have made it and some which have not. But um, And I continue to get calls uh, you know, about culinary projects and um, chefs who are good for TV or culinary ideas that are good for TV. Yes, I imagine your <laughs> phone does ring for that stuff. <laughs> what would you say... Um, advice you'd give to someone who wants to get into casting i mean i feel i always think when you're talking about how you kind of fell into it and i always think about my career how i kind of fell into pr like it just kind of happened but putting yourself out there but someone who knows that's what they want to do for a living what would you say how to go about it um i would say do your research um there are a lot of prominent casting um, casting directors and casting companies out there. And so I think there are opportunities to get in on the ground floor um, of a casting agency or with a casting person. Um, I've worked with a lot of great college grads, recent college grads who have come and said, I want to do casting. I want to learn the process. So I think that's really the key. Go intern, um, find out who or what type of casting you want to do, whether it's commercial or theater or movies or reality and and go intern or go you know try to get a, an entry level PA job. Okay, that's yeah, good advice. Well, you've been now for a while in the culinary casting. Is that what you love? Do you do you want to stay in it? <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny because I kind of fell into culinary casting, and it's really become a big passion of mine. I mean, you know, besides my work, it's like I eat, sleep, think about food a lot and chefs but it's become my job to sort of know who's doing what and where um so i do i do love it and i do think that food tv isn't you know not going anywhere uh anytime soon so um but you know every so often when i when i do get calls for other projects i'm i always take them on um because i always learn something i meet new people um it's a job opportunity so yeah well I think, um, yeah, we are in a good industry, and, uh, yeah, you kind of live and breathe it once you're in it. And, I, I mean, for good reason, loving it. So. Yeah. Well, I think you have to. I think everybody in the hospitality industry has to really love what they do, and I'm sure many people have talked about that here, mm-hmm. that you have to love what you do because it's it's challenging, and um, the hours are long, and, um, you know, managing people and there's so many things about the hospitality industry that are amazing but it's it's tough it is it is it is a full-time very full-time job i'm a i i don't know how the judges on chopped like you know your mark murphy and alex carnicelli and all those people who like manage to do the filming and then manage everything else they're doing because how how long does a shoot typically take like do they shoot straight through the day yeah full day our judges are with us. Our chefs are with us all day. So, yeah, they they have to be with us all day and focus on the show and then probably leave at night and go, you know, worry about service at the restaurants. Yeah, huge multitaskers and, like, able to manage a lot of different things and be good at them. Right. So, yeah. Awesome. Okay, we're going to take another break here. and come back. We're going to do my speed round game and talk some industry news. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network.
this is Steven Soderbergh, and you're listening to the Heritage Radio Network. That was cool. We're back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest is Beth Schiff. It's time for my speed round game. What this is is I name two things, either or, or it's more than two things at this point, but I named a couple things, either or situation, and you just pick your preference. It's very easy. Okay, so here we go. Eat in or eat out? Eat out. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Cocktail. You knew that right <laughs> off the bat. That was easy. <laughs> Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Small. Communal table or chef's counter? Hmm. Communal table. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? All-inclusive. Casting for scripted shows or competition shows? Scripted. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) A couple more. Well, this is an easy one. Chopped or cutthroat kitchen? Oh, chopped. (laughs) Love. Cheese plate or dessert? Dessert. Both? Can I say both? (laughs) You can have whatever you... Yes, you may. I I would like both. Okay. (laughs) And Manhattan or Brooklyn? Manhattan. Awesome. That's the game. Oh, okay. Easy. That's easy. Just a little fun round. See what your preferences are. Industry news. So I have an article that was in USA Today titled Flavor Forecast 2016. We'll be eating more of these foods this year. It was by Hadley Malcolm. So there are a lot of articles, you know, predicting things for the upcoming year. And this one I found interesting because this was based on McCormick's Flavor Forecast, where they predict trends, and they're known for predicting viral trends, such as the pumpkin pie spice, which took off uh, about five years ago. So this year, they're looking at uh, different healthful uh, different herbs like chia seeds, turmeric, and they have matcha on the list as well. So we're talking a little bit for the show. We're seeing matcha lots of places. Yeah, I'm seeing matcha explode. I mean, I was just telling you um, before the show that a matcha bar opened on on my street in Chelsea. I like literally the other day. I was like, oh, that's new, and it's just matcha. So that's yeah. clearly, and I'm reading about it, and I'm seeing it so much more in the stores. So it's it's clearly become a thing. Yeah, I'm seeing it too. There's there's place in Williamsburg, uh, a matcha bar place, and I was just in Japan and went to some places where they had these fantastic matcha desserts and like matcha mochi sundaes and they were so delicious and I would love to see those like more inventive sort of sweets here um wondering if it will happen because right now I'm seeing mostly drinks yeah I agree but I I think we will I believe we will see more um matcha and more um and more things like desserts and yeah and, and more than just like a green tea latte yeah i i i think we will too i mean they're also what else they had in there alternative alternative proteins they had cranberry beans and black beluga lentils interesting um i have i've not personally worked with any of those but i'm pretty sure we could i could say that we've had them on chopped because we're constantly we look at these things you know we want to be on trend and we want to keep up um and we want or we want to be ahead of the curve you know we want to bring 
things on in the baskets on the show um, that if you don't know, you'll go look up and maybe you'll, you'll use. But yeah, I like that, the alternative um, proteins. No, it makes a lot of sense for you to be following the trends and bringing out things in the baskets. My prediction for the year is charcoal because I saw it. Uh, on my travels yeah. and, and I, I then Grub Street recently wrote an article about charcoal too so I feel that will be something we might be seeing more of um, and how do you feel about insects because I, I, insects have been yeah. I don't know if it's trending but I feel like uh, maybe here in New York and, I think and I think they are be- and I've had I mean I've met the guys uh, Exo Protein their, their bars and um I've had that. I actually was at a dinner at the Roots Conference like a year and a half ago where they they were cooking with the cricket flour and pasta and different dishes. And I think it, it I don't know, it, 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 people get a little like squeamish about it, but it's it's a good source of protein and you don't even know, you don't know, it's just what you're eating, you know? Right, if you, <laughs> if you don't think about it. I think we're yeah. so trained, or our society trained not to think you know, not to eat bugs or eat certain proteins, but I think you're right. I think it's more sustainable and it's good protein might be, I don't know. I'm not making a claim might be healthier for us. I don't, yeah, I don't know. So it's, I think it's interesting to explore. Have you put insects at all in chopped baskets? If you can say, um, we have had crickets or, um, Oh, I can't think of the, the Mexican term, you know, when you have, yeah, I don't know. But Sorry. ants, ants have been on. Uh, there's some. Well, there's a black the ant black in ant. the East Village. They're doing, right. doing things with. We have ants. not had ants, but we've definitely had crickets. All right, I see. And then we might have had. Side. Yeah, right. With ants, <laughs> stay tuned. Yeah, we might have had chocolate covered crickets too. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm sort of remembering. Yum. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the other article I had uh, on CNN Money, we had. Chipotle to close all restaurants on February 8th for a food safety meeting. This was by Aaron Smith and Ahiza Garcia. So I'm sure, I mean, there's been a lot with Chipotle. You know, they had this, these several outbreaks over this past year um, with E. coli and salmonella, and they've, uh, they're struggling. You know, I think they're, have, I think they're doing this nationwide shutdown. I, I read that it's an opportunity to thank their employees, discuss changes, and answer questions. And, um, I mean, yeah, Chipotle is, began as a very beloved brand, and, and, and I think it still is, but I think people are kind of, you know, people don't want to get sick. Yeah, I think it's a really crucial time for them. I think that's a great idea for them to stop down, have a moment, you know, what's going on? What can we all do together? Sounds like sort of a team building, but also strategy and and PR, as you know a lot about. It's not been a great, you know, PR year for Chipotle. No, it hasn't. But I think Steve Ells is the CEO is really smart and cares. And yeah, I think it's a good move for them to do this. And I'm hoping they can, you know, turn things around and get start getting that positive press because it's been it's been like one thing after the other and it's been a struggle. But I think what's key is that they'll need to to tell their customers what they are doing, you know, mm-hmm. what what they're doing above and beyond, you know, what they were doing to ensure food safety. Yes. You know, um, how do I there. know? Yeah, getting the message out there. How do I know that the next time I go to Chipotle that the food will be salmonella free or you know um as safe as it can be 
Yes. And it just makes me think also, again, how tough this industry is. And it's just there's so many things that can happen and factors. And, um, yeah, it's a it's a huge brand. I mean, I, I don't know how many in New York they have, but I feel like it's like All over, over. <laughs> over 30 or I don't know. That's I don't, a lot. <laughs> I don't know, but I feel like there's one, you know, every corner or yeah, every other corner. It's kind of became like Starbucks, like on every corner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I'm and I'm sure they're struggling right now, so they they could use support. Um, support, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so go support your Chipotle, and I wish them the best. Yeah. I hope their February eighth day is awesome. And just before I go to break here, I just had one little announcement. This uh, Sunday is Koshan Five Five Five. They're calling it New Pork City. If you're not familiar with Koshan Five Five Five, the fives stand for Five chefs, five heritage breed pigs, and five winemakers. So it's a culinary competition event. It's Sunday the 24th at Wyland Seymour's in Brooklyn, and I will be there. So you sh- if you want to find out more about it, you can go to their website, kushan555.com, and their, their event benefits this year. It's benefiting the piggy bank. So it goes to a good cause, and um, it should be fun. So uh, check that out. And now we're going to take another break, come back, I'm going to do my solo dining experience. All in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience, which this week is at Le Turtle. Here's the rundown. Location, 177 Christie Street at Rivington in New York City's Lower East Side. The concept, modern French fare with an emphasis on vegetables. The chef and owners, Chef Greg Prochel, who previously worked at Blanca, and the owners are Tavo Somer of Freeman's and Carlos Cuervarte of The Smile, both very popular restaurants. Why did I go? Because this new restaurant sounded like it had great potential. My experience. I had an early dinner at the bar. Scott, the bartender, took great care of me, as did fellow Heritage Radio host Jess Kiefer, who is now their psalm. What did I get? I had the lobster with almond curd, pickled aji dulce, and Asian pear, and mint sorbet, a compliment from a complimentary treat from Jess. Thank you, Jess. It was delicious. And that is my take. I love the lobster, and I love the sorbet. The scene. Cool downtown peeps. Perfect for dinner with friends or date night. Interesting tidbit. I noticed the staff was wearing designer gray jumpsuits or onesies, as I will call them. New style trend, perhaps? 
Personal fun fact: I once dined solo at Blanca, the chef's previous restaurant, which is located here behind our studios at Heritage Radio Network. I don't have any photos as they do not allow them, but I do have photos from Le Turtle. The cost twenty nine dollars, not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Yes. Their website is leturtle.fr. So there, have you heard of this place? I haven't, but I recognize the chef's name and um, you know, and and the owners. So now yeah. I'm intrigued. Yeah. No, they're. Um, I think this place will do well. I think they 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 are such experienced restaurateurs, and I think they know how to get a following and like do I don't know do it right. Yeah, so. no, it sounds great and yeah, great it location. Yeah, really good. It just opened. I just happened to be in the neighborhood. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah, oh. it's very new. Maybe two weeks. Inside scoop. Yeah, so there you, there we go. Okay, so it's time for the final question. My next guest is Dana Coton. He is rest, of Restaurant Reason. It's a new startup company focusing on restaurant staff training. So Dana is a guy, and I wanted to see if you could ask him a question. <laughs> I'm just curious um, in terms of his, his startup, his business, um, what prompted him to start this business? What was, what was the need or what, what niche did he see um, needed to be felt? Good question. I might kick the show off with that. It's a good one. Um, yeah, great. I recently met him at some, some events with uh, networking events, and so i interested to find out myself. And that's the show. So thank you. Thank you. This was fun. What's it been like being in in front of the mic besides being behind it? I know. I'm <laughs> usually the one that is doing the interviewing. So it's a, I don't want to say uncomfortable, but it's just a different position. It's, it's fun, but it's funny because I'm usually the one asking the questions and finding out the information. So it's like in my nature to want to like ask you a question and find out more about you and what you do. Yes, I'm sure. Well, Thank you for for letting me ask the questions (laughs) and for coming on the show today. I wish you the best with all your casting and continued success with your career. So I have been talking to Beth Schiff. She is the casting director, casting and story producer at You Choose Creative. She works with Chopped, if you didn't catch that earlier. And her website is youchoosecreative.com, and you can find her on social media at castingqueenny, which I love your handle. (laughs) <laughs> you can follow me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry, and I have two websites now. I have BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. As a reminder, all of our shows are archived on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on Stitcher and iTunes, so you can listen to us anywhere, anytime, and you can leave reviews. Please, I'd love to hear what you think of the show, so you can go to iTunes and let me know. Many thanks to my Jack, my my Jack. Yeah, to my Jack today, engineering the show <laughs> back from New Orleans. Good to see you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks again to my fabulous guest, Beth Schiff. I am Sherry Bayer. I'll be back next Wednesday at four with another live show. Hope you'll tune in then. Till then, have a great week, and thanks for being part of All in the Industry. Bye.
Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>